I'm David Bryan. And I'm Brenda Bryan. This is Renovation Made Right. If you're considering a remodeling project now or sometime in the future, Renovation Made Right is your single source to help guide you through getting the project you want and an experience that you'll enjoy. Renovation Made Right tackles topics that range from how to select the right project and contractor to tips on surviving the remodeling process to best practices for kitchen and bath design. We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company Black Dog Builders in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire. We're sitting down with industry professionals to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Welcome back to another episode of Renovation Made Right. We have too much fun here. I am David Bryan. We can't even get through the intro without laughing. No, the intro, I was just screwing up the intro, which is why everyone's laughing at me. But hi, I'm David Bryan. I am Brenda Bryan. And uh, we are glad to have you with That's us. That's not why everybody's laughing at you. But there's a lot of reasons, there's I know. L- there's so many. Uh, and before we jump into uh, today's topics, uh, we've got some Q&A. We're going to do some Q&A today. Uh, and, uh, but before we do that, I just want to thank everyone. Our listenership is growing. Yes. Which is excellent. And uh, we've been getting some reviews. We're been getting some questions. Uh, and so we greatly appreciate that. So if, you, uh, if you're enjoying what we're bringing to you, to, to your, uh, you know, to your knowledge base for your home and and things like that, and you want to subscribe, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. If you want to uh, like us, that's awesome. So Tell we appreciate that. Tell your friends. Pass us around. That would be great. We mm-hmm. do always appreciate that. And we also love our listener questions. And so today is listener question day, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right. It's very exciting. So I happen to have one here for you. Uh, and uh, and actually, Brenda, so this, one, this one's going to be up, uh, you know, sort of up your Thank alley. Thank goodness. Right? I never have anything to talk about. Well, here you <laughs> Uh, Except and, you. And here you go. It, but, well, it's funny because if you had nothing to talk about, you, is that why you just spend your time making fun of me? Yeah, mostly. Okay, so this yeah. w- so it's now, always like technical questions about siding or, or shiplap or something. And I, I like I'm, you know, I'm a design gal. That's what I do. So, you know. All right. Well, here we go. Thank God. All right. So this is from Heidi in Greensboro, North Carolina. And Heidi asks, I am redoing my master bathroom and have a big whirlpool tub that is in a in a base. It takes up about half of my bathroom and I don't use it often. So I'm thinking about not getting one again, but uh, I'm concerned about the resale. Since we plan on selling in the next 10 years, uh, if I don't have a tub, will that be a negative when we go to sell? All right, okay. so that's the question about the Whirlpool yeah. in the master bath. Okay, so the world, so yeah, this is, Thank you, this, Heidi, is by a, the way. this is a big issue. I've been in an awful lot of master bathrooms that were built in the 80s and 90s, and they have very large whirlpool tubs, and they're also set in very large bases. So, you know, there's like a platform that was built, and then the tub was dropped into the, the platform. And the problem is, is that very often those platforms were kind of built overly large. So they, like, the platform could be eight foot by six foot and you know and it takes up like a really big chunk of real estate in your master bathroom and if you're only using it once a month or once every six months or you know sometimes even less than that and and sometimes that's the case because it takes a while to fill right right you know those really oversized whirlpool tubs they take you know 20 minutes to fill they take a while to fill and before the days of on-demand hot water heaters they would they would drain all their hot water in your house right Right. Exactly. And um, if you didn't have an inline water heater installed in them, which was a kind of a later addition, um, 
you it would cool down so you'd be in the tub for you know 10 minutes and all of a sudden the water would get cold or if it was going through the whirlpool pipes the water would get cold just being um, in contact with air and so the water didn't stay hot and so you didn't really feel like you know a good soak you know like where you're in the tub for 45 minutes and it feels wonderful you'd be in there for five or ten and be like uh, you know, so I got to keep adding more hot water to it, and it's a pain. So I, you know, I, I talk to an awful lot of people who are just like, "Get it out! I don't want it anymore. I want, I want this thing gone. I want an oversized shower." But then that question becomes, "Hmm, is this going to hurt me on the backside?" Right? Because because then I'm going from a a full bath to a three quarter bath, and and does that make a difference in terms of the sale? And are people looking for these big tubs? And it's a, it's a really good question. Less people are looking for the big tubs than they used to. True. Um, another development within the last 10 years has been what's called slipper tubs or freestanding tubs, um, which was like, you know, if you look at 100 years ago, they had these clawfoot tubs. Those right. were those were slipper tubs or freestanding tubs. They take up a lot less square footage than when you set a, a whirlpool in um, a base. So in terms of how, how you can fit it in your space, it might take half the space that your existing one does um, because it just doesn't require this, this huge platform to be built around it. So that is a possibility. Yeah, and so that's you, actually become a much more popular solution. I mean, it's prettier. I, I actually can't think of the last time we actually built a big deck and dropped a tub in it. Yeah, I can think of one. And it was about 10 years ago. And yeah. about the next year, like slipper tubs became all the, the rage again. Right. And I was like, oh. Shouldn't right. have done that to those people. Right. So I kind of felt bad. Um, but uh, so that might be a way to go. Actually, it might even been more like 15 years ago. I'm really old. <laughs> um, so so that might be one way for you to get that to get the uh, the tub still in your bathroom and not use up all the square footage and be able to give that square footage to a larger shower or more vanity space. So, but let's take the question a little bit differently too, because I think. Um, to your point, you said, you know, there, there are those people who still actually want a soaking tub. Yeah. Right. And so going with the slipper tub makes a lot of sense. But alternatively, if you don't want the soaking tub and maybe what you'd rather have is a private room for your toilet, a water closet for your right. toilet, right? Yep. You can allocate the square footage differently. But the big thing is, does the home By the have, way, that's a marriage saver. Yeah, that's right. A separate water closet. It yeah, really is. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But the, the, the other question is, um, outside of the master bathroom, does the house have at least one tub somewhere else. Right. Right. That's the one thing we didn't talk about, which is if the main bath um, at the top of the stairs or wherever it might be has a tub, you're actually not, I don't think you're hurting your resale value. If you have a beautiful master bath right. with or without a tub, you, you, the problem is you can't get into this guessing game and try to try to anticipate what your buyer really wants. Mm-hmm. Right. You may find a couple that walks into your home, falls in love with it, and they could care less whether there was a soaking tub. And the next couple that walks in 10 minutes later, maybe the soaking tub's everything, right? right. But a beautiful master bath has a very strong appeal, mm-hmm. regardless of the fixture configuration. Mm-hmm. But we would we would always, and we've in previous shows we've said this, we would never advocate for somebody to be totally tubless in their house. Right. No, absolutely. If, if only for just, you know, somebody coming in and having small children, you need someplace to bathe small children. Exactly. Um, so, exactly. so that's, that's that that goes without saying. Now, one other way you can you can skin that cat, as it were, is the way we do it um, at home, which is that I actually we have we have a bathroom with a master tub, uh, which I, I never use, and for the same reasons that uh, nobody else uses. <laughs> when the kids them. were little, we used it. We, yeah, they loved it. It was like right. a swimming pool for them. Right. But right. yeah, so I don't use it anymore. And and partly the thing is, it just takes so dang long to heat, fill up. 
and you know, and I don't feel like waiting. So we have a hot tub outside that we use all winter, yes. and that is lovely because it's always the right temperature. You do have to add chemicals um, occasionally, like a pool, but uh, you don't have to wait for it to fill up, and um, and your toes get warm when you get into bed. At night. <laughs> so that's so, that's my recommendation. All right, so there there is uh, Brenda's thoughts on uh, on the master bath tub conundrum mm-hmm. for Heidi from Greensboro, North Carolina. So thank you, Heidi. We appreciate uh, and I will read David the next question because this is something that he probably could um, answer a little bit better. Awesome. Uh, a member of my family is immune compromised and is at risk for COVID and everything else. Ooh. Uh, what can we do to mitigate concern when we have people working in our home? Like so, what kinds of things can we do to make it safer for them? Yeah, it's funny, you know, uh, for, we've been doing this for 32 years, and in 32 years uh, prior to our pandemic, um, it's virtually never come up, right? Mm-hmm. This this situation, obviously, now uh, during times of COVID, so we're we're recording this in uh, in the March timeframe of 2021, uh, and so it's much more top of mind. I, I think the answer is uh, at the end of the day, you need to be working with. Um, companies working with uh, with service providers that have actually internalized and take seriously the proper precautions for conducting themselves in your home, mm-hmm. right? And and I will be completely straightforward and honest with you in that um, the tra- in most cases the trades are physically demanding, right? And physically demanding uh, activities and mask wearing is difficult and challenging, right? And so, how do you overcome that? And is it even reasonable to like if there's a guy that's installing hardwood flooring, which is a, a physically demanding, or kicking in carpet, which is physically demanding? Do you expect that uh, tradesperson to wear a mask during the time that they're doing all the exertion, right? So here's how I view this: a couple things. One is um, you can isolate the space by creating a containment uh, with plastic, typically polyethylene, uh, and contain that space. There are manufacturers that they sell these things called zipper doors, and, and the zipper doors allow you to have access in and out, but seal the space up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Right? The other thing that can, be, that can happen, which I think can, can give, company, give homeowners a, a strong sense of comfort, is by creating negative pressure in the space. Mm-hmm. So if uh, we have equipment in our company uh, that you can set up, and then it draws from the inside of the house and will exhaust uh, the air through a duct outside kind of a basically window. Basically, like an exhaust fan. Yeah, and, and and so while we have this equipment that does this, it also cleans the air in the process. It will also you can. It's also as simple as putting a box fan in a window, mm-hmm. right? It, right. It, you know, it doesn't. This is a low tech solution, right? So between creating an enclosed space uh, and then putting a box fan in a window to draw, so you know that you're not doing, and and then the expectation would be that the tradespeople whenever in the common area of the house are masked up, mm-hmm. right? And obviously also following protocols relative to wiping down surfaces, relative washing hands, re- washing right. hands all of those Sanitizer. things. Yep. When they're in contact uh, with the common area of the home, uh, then I think that's uh, that's what you're really looking for. Um, I think, uh, and, and and in the beginning of the process, you need to ask those questions. What are you, and you you know, you prefer not to drive that not and not tell a vendor, here's what I want you to do. You'd rather have a vendor who you say, you ask the questions and they say, okay, here's what we're going to, here's what we can do to accommodate you. Mm-hmm. And that's already part of their DNA. They're already thinking about it. They already right. know about it, right? If you, as the homeowner, have to lead that discussion, you're probably not working with a company that's going to be the best at doing that, right? right. Um, and so Although, that's, you know, to take, to take this advice and be able to, you know, be aware of the kinds of things that, that people could do, like the negative air pressure, like being able to seal off a room because COVID's not going to be around forever, knock on wood. And 
you know, five years from now, if you're still immune compromised, this is still an issue for you. Right. And so you might have to remind your service providers that come in, okay, here's the things I want you to do while you're in the house. Because, it, again, in five years, it may not be top of mind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I think I think that's a lot about what it gets down to is, is uh, um, you know, when, when COVID is beyond, if you've got a problem that is bigger than COVID, uh, then, uh, then making sure you're working with sensitive people about this. Right. right? Um, and uh, and ho- obviously, once you get we get past the COVID time frame, everyone's awareness level and concern level is going to come down. And so that, frankly, will, for almost any company, will mean sitting down with the crew that's going to go do that job and re-educate that crew mm-hmm. and, and re-provision that crew with the right materials that they need to do the job right. safely. Right. Right? Yep. Okay. Very good. So that um, that is helpful. And uh, and now I have one for you. Are you <gasps> I'm ready? I'm so excited. All right. Yes. yes. So this is from Jonathan from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ooh, Milwaukee. Jonathan says, uh, I need to replace my double oven, but I am on a tight budget in my kitchen remodel. Um, what would you recommend uh, for uh, as a replacement for a double oven? Ah, Okay. So an awful lot of people got double ovens. Um, and I, I, more often than not, I think that they are redundant. I mean, they're double, so it's redundant. <laughs> um, but most people don't, don't need a double oven. So if, you, if the listeners didn't hear that, just to be clear, a double oven is redundant. Yes. I love that. <laughs> that was cutting edge right there. You you come to uh, this show, Renovation Made Right, for the cutting edge information that yes. the double oven is it's redundant. redundant. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Don't be a turd. So my point is this. How often, how many times a year are you actually using that second oven? Because you, what we usually find is that you're using one on a fairly regular basis, weekly, bi-weekly, but the second one gets used at Thanksgiving and at Christmas. Those right. are the two times that they get used. And so you're spending an awful lot of money on an appliance that gets used twice a year. So then the question is, but I need it twice a year. Totally understand. Well, hang on, hang on. What? I want to push back on that because you are a phenomenal cook. In addition to being talented and beautiful, you are a phenomenal cook. Oh, and you have wow. cranked out... You have now cranked, you've upped the game. You have cranked out some pretty amazing... Uh, you know, Christmas dinners, Thanksgiving dinners, yes. and we happen to have a one single oven, oven. right? right. And, yep. and that has not held you back from making amazing food. It has not. And so the key to that is a convection oven. That's uh, the first thing. And actually, most ovens these days are convection ovens. And so the difference between um, a convection oven and a traditional oven or a radiant oven is in a radiant oven, the uh, the heat comes up from the floor of the oven, which is why when things spill in a radiant oven, the whole kitchen gets filled with smoke and you have to open up all your windows. So in a convection oven, the, the uh, element, the heating element is in the back of the oven and there's a fan and the air blows around. And so when you spill in a convection oven, that's the beauty of a convection oven is you never really have to clean it. <laughs> Ask me how I know. Uh, is that... Um, you know, this stuff doesn't get on the bottom and, and bake on. But what that also does is it creates more even heat all the way through the oven. So the top rack and the bottom rack will be baking at about the same temperature all the time um, because the air is moving. And the second thing that it does is that any oils that are in the oven will radiate, will will go back through the element and get burned up. Um, and so what you don't get is a lot of smells coming out. I mean, you, know, you do. If you're baking a lot with, with garlic, you'll get, obviously. But... Um, but you can actually bake different things 
in the same oven and not have them pick up the flavor. Ah, I see your point. So you can put, you know, a casserole and a roast and something else and not have to worry about the smell ending up on each other because the because the oils get burned up in the uh, in the element. So it actually is a little bit more flexible. Um, and because you could actually put something on the on the floor of the oven and not have it get burnt because it's convection, right? The heat is not coming up from the bottom. So you actually, like in most convection ovens, you have three shelves, plus you could put stuff on the floor. So you actually can get an awful lot in a convection oven compared to a traditional radiant oven. Well, but I also know that you've helped, you know, our microwave is a combination micro-convection, well, and that helps bridge the gap to too. next, right, exactly. So... So what you also can do is instead of getting um, a traditional microwave, you can get what's called a, a dual fuel or convection microwave. So again, it's convection. It has a heating element. There's an air blower that blows. So it's, it's just a smaller oven and a secondary one, but it takes up a lot less space. So if you're cooking a roast in the oven, you can still cook a casserole in your convection oven. And in fact, the microwave convections also have a shelf in it. So you can do two things in your microwave convection at the same time. So you could actually um, do an awful lot without a second traditional oven. So if you're on a really tight budget, here's my recommendation. Get a range that's got a convection oven and get a second uh, convection microwave. And it can be one as simple as just sitting on the countertop. The, the convection microwaves that are just freestanding are, you know, $400. There's not a lot of money. And a range, um, you know, you could get one for less than 1000 with, with even with a convection oven now. The prices have come down a lot. So that is a good solution for you, um, as opposed to a built-in. When you start getting into built-in ovens, the prices go way up really fast. Like the oven itself starts off at about $1,000. Um, and then you have to build it in. So there's just more installation costs as opposed to a range. So yeah, and, again, and the range itself precludes the need for separate cooktop, right? So you're, right. you're cutting out quantity. You're cutting out whole appliances. Right. right? And, be... and here's the other thing. There's some ranges that you can buy that actually have two ovens in them. They have a small, you know where that little drawer is that, you know, yep. underneath yep. you put the, the roasting pan in or whatever? Um, that actually is is an oven in some uh, in some ovens. So so you can get two ovens in a in a traditional range as well. Exactly. So look for those and um, and a convection oven and you will or convection microwave and you will do just fine. Excellent, thank you. You're very welcome. So now we have one final question. I think that uh, you've got that one. Ah yes. All right. So <laughs> this one this one made me sad. What are the materials that I can use for sound dampening? I live on a busy street, and a and a quote biker gang has moved in across <laughs> the street. Okay, I'm, it's I'm, awful, but there's nothing I can do. How can I make it quieter in my home? And so this I should, is from Bethany in Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah, so I shouldn't laugh. That's not funny. Um, it's 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 only funny if you don't live in the house. Right, for for everybody you're not, else, you're like, oh, right. seriously. Right. So, uh, so Bethany, interesting questions. There's a couple things to think about. So. Uh, it, you're talking about outside sound transmission, right? And right. so, so the answer to the question about how we control sound um, is very different, whether it's outside sound or whether it's sound between walls inside. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, a lot of the same methodologies or techniques can be used, but but I'm going to tell you that first and foremost uh, is going to be the quality of your windows, right? So. Um, and this actually happens around airports. So uh, I know that there there have been some movements, and I think this has actually happened at the Manchester uh, Boston Regional Airport up in Manchester, um, where 
they they had funding available for homes within a certain proximity of the airport to get um, replacement windows, and mm. they were special windows. They are windows that are very much designed for um, reducing sound transmission because you're in a traffic pattern for airs right. for airline, right? So and so the first thing, Bethany, is see see whether you're cl- you live close to the airport. <laughs> that yeah. would be the first thing. So, but but let's assume you don't, right? Let's assume that that this is independent of that. But my point being, the reason why I mentioned that was because what that tells you is there are. Um, certain windows that can be installed as replacement windows that are intentionally designed to not only be energy efficient, but uh, be more adept at reducing sound transmission because mm-hmm. that is going to be your biggest um, your biggest shortcoming within your envelope, right? So if we talk about your home and the outside walls of your home as being the things that create the envelope of the home, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, then you got to look and say, okay, what are the weakest points in the envelope and how do we make that better? And the weakest points typically for sound transmission are windows, mm-hmm. okay? So if we can put in good windows, that's one thing. Then over and above putting in good windows, this may sound a little uh, light in terms of its effectiveness, but it's not. Putting in good window treatments, treatments yeah. is another follow-up, yeah. right? So not only can that be aesthetically pleasing, it can also go a long way to reducing sound transmission as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the other things that are are bigger and more challenging that would require sort of removal of your existing wall finishes, right? So like removing your drywall to allow you to put in other materials or putting in additional drywall separated by other materials. So there's actually, we're actually doing a project where we're using a product called AcoustaBlock and AcoustaBlock is like a rubber membrane. Mm-hmm. And this particular client is building a music studio in their basement. And they are very concerned about that noise transferring to the second, to the first floor. Mm-hmm. So we're putting this AcoustaBlock product up first and then uh, finished material on top of that. And the AcoustaBlock product is pretty incredible. However, you got to strip your walls off to do that. Yeah. You got to apply that to the, so it's a big right. deal, right? So, uh, so depending so that's on, not your solution. Yeah. So it? depending on how crazy your this whole process is making you, if if it means enough to you might do some demolition and you might actually rebuild the assembly on the outside of your walls with different material to make it quieter. You can put in a product called sound deadening board before you put your sheetrock up. You can put in different kinds of insulation before you put your sheetrock back up. You can put in a separation or airspace between the two pieces of sh- between your sheetrock. And so there's a lot of ways to do it. But first and foremost, windows. Secondly, window treatments. Lastly, you can also dissipate some of the sound by like putting tapestry on your walls mm-hmm. or things like that. Right. So carpeting on the, fl- gra- on the floor. Yeah, carpeting right. your floor, right. right. Yeah. So so having some things that are more uh, absorbed, absorptive, absorptive, absorbent. Yeah, but it's not absorbent, but it's a sound. It's not absorbent, I don't think. Yeah, I think it is. It is? Okay. So, yeah. so sound absorbent. Um, right. our, Meryl is Meryl's shaking her shaking head her like head. that's like, not even a word. She's like, you don't even. Right. Yeah. Uh, absorbative? No. 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 What is it? Don't, don't, don't make stuff okay. up. It's just absorbent. Absorbent. All right. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> those, I think you want to do whatever you can to, uh, to deal with it in a least, in a least invasive way. But those, uh, those I, are the thoughts. I think the, the alternative too is to make an, make the kind of noise that will drive a biker gang out, like restful, <laughs> restful elevator music out your window. Something, something that will make them go, oh, this is a terrible neighborhood. I have to move. Well, I think you actually just put a speaker outside and every once in a while you play like a, a, a police siren.
Oh, there you go. Yeah. But, you know, like if they're not doing anything illegal, that just might hype them up. They get like all excited. <laughs> like, oh, throw down with the police. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, you uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, for your questions. For entertaining we us today. Right, we appreciate, appreciate the questions it. and uh, hopefully you get some value in the answers. Um, keep the questions coming and uh, and we are always grateful for them. Uh, and again, if you uh, if you get some value out of the show. Please subscribe. Please like us, and uh, and we thank you very much. Please, it does sound desperate, but that's where I am. Sorry, desperate. Yeah. So, you have been listening to Renovation Made Right. I am David Bryan, and I'm Brenda Bryan. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.